episode of the Granite List Live. Navigating a sea of benefit solution is daunting at best, and new vendors emerge every week. Hosts Lee Dill and Sally Pace bring brokers and employers a solid resource when it comes to uncovering what's new, what's needed, and what is happening now to allow for the best plan design possible. By staying on top of trends, brokers and employers can in turn stay on top of spending while improving employee engagement and outcomes. Listening to this episode, Chris Schaffner, CEO of Your Community Health Plan, sits down with Lee and Sally to discuss the lack of data transparency available to those designing health plans. Along with guests Adam Russo, CEO of FIA Group, and Rob Gelb, CEO of Valenz, we cover how to define transparency and the key context points to focus on, including why it's important and how to use it. Let's kick off today's session. Chris, you know, you have a very interesting story to tell, and I'd love for you to share with the audience what your why is. How did you come to even building your community health plan? Well, it started really in 2008 when I was chosen by our commissioner of insurance to sit on a blue ribbon task force on our state employees health plan. 700,000 lives, uh, almost $3.4 billion spend. And that two-year process really was enlightening for me because I started my career at Merrill Lynch in the retirement plan business, transitioned early 2000 into the health and welfare space. And so 2008, right, we had the ACA going on, Barack Obama had just been elected, so a lot of stuff happening in healthcare. And so I said, well, gosh, if I can sit in on this two-year Blue Ribbon Task Force on our state health plan, I'm bound to learn a lot and meet a lot of great folks. And uh, really, the, the, what that all boiled down to was that at that level, we found out beyond any reasonable doubt, there was no structured oversight over that $3.4 billion spend of taxpayer money, which I thought was amazing, right? You've got uh, the biggest plan in the state blindly paying claims for everybody. And it was just a matter of Blue Cross sending them a bill on a quarterly basis to draw money out of the account and then settling up 30 days later and pulling more money, right? Because they would always say they never had enough. So when you see a plan that that, size that has no structured oversight, you start to wonder, well, how many other companies out there are in the same predicament, right? So that's when our state treasurer then became the resting place for this. And at that point in time, that was a $24 billion unfunded liability in 2010. Today, it's $38 billion unfunded liability. And our current state treasurer, Dale Falwell, sat right next to me the whole two years when he was in the House of Representatives on that same task force. So when I look at things, I see that and I see a big problem, right? Because ERISA is the same law, whether it's a retirement plan or it's a health and welfare plan. On the retirement plan side, there is so much audit, structure, detail, data in place that you can review everything. But on the health plan side, you don't have the same structured oversight. There's no enforcement. So, you know, I hate to call it stealing, but in many cases, that's exactly what it is. And so that's where my path brought me to the realization that, well, if we're going to really change this, it's got to start from the bottom up. And the bottom up in healthcare are small businesses. So from a size standpoint, 50% of all people that get a W-2 paycheck in our country are receiving that from a business that has fewer than 50 employees. 
And these are the people that are getting hurt the worst by this healthcare system, if you want to call it that, um, that we have. So uh, fast forward to 2017, I start working with two North Carolina networks, one in primary care, one in pharmacy, to deliver them a solution. And we really laid down some key points or key items that we wanted our plan for these providers to have. Number one, it had to be transparent. Number two, we had to do something different with the PBM and the drug structure that is quickly becoming 20%, 25% of total plan spend in some cases. We're getting new drugs that are hyper expensive, being approved every day, may or may not show any clinical efficacy. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult. And then you've got the data piece. And I'm not talking about just paid claims data, which even our treasurer to this day can't get paid claims information out of the plan because he is statutorily denied access to it. It's not allowed to have it, not allowed to share it, which that's a little bit crazy, right? And then the last point is, the last point is we need to use a consistent rule-based law and ERISA is there and through a level funding structure, which is what we've designed, ERISA is the same in every state. So we don't have to go through state departments of insurance to check and make sure something's uh, up to their codes. We don't have to worry about any state regulator or association plans or anything like that. We can do the exact same thing for anyone that wants to participate anywhere in the country. So that's kind of where we got to. And that has led me to great relationships with folks like Rob Gelb and Adam Russo, experts in their field. And again, that's me being the collaborator and the fiduciary to the plan saying, let's do this, let's use best of breed and everybody doesn't need to make the same decision multiple times, right? It can be put in a nice package for them, which is what we believe that we've done at your community health plan and continue to monitor everything and report out to those employers because at the end of the day, it's their money and it's their employees money that they are choosing to defer into the plan in lieu of getting W-2 wage, right? That's the key trade-off that most people really don't think about. Oh, it's my employer's money. Well, at the end of the day, if we do our jobs as fiduciaries and partners to the plan, 75% of all the savings that are derived revert back to the employer group. So that is something that also makes us unique because I don't know of any other level funded product across the country that will do more than 50%. Um, and the transparency that those have may be a little bit less than the transparency that we offer. Elevator pitch. Um, talk to us about what your community health plan is and who, what audience you're intending to reach with it. Your community health plan is a level funded self-insured plan for groups with as few as five employees up to really a hundred in the level funded scenario. But then we can take that same platform, the same chassis and go up to several thousand employee lives with our PBM and our TPA partner. You talked about transparency. I know you have two people with you that also believe in transparency from very different angles. Chris, what, you know, and you talked about what you're seeing in the marketplace and what has led to a need for transparency. What do you see going forward? How will, how will you operate differently 
and what why do these partners matter to you? Well, transparency is a tricky thing, right? Because it's not just transparency into the dollars being spent in your plan. It's transparency into the quality of the providers that you're sending your plan participants to. And I think that's really Rob's key point is what we used to think is just plan data. There are now so many external data points that we can pull from to help engage our participants because giving someone a list of in-network providers is not really doing much for them. But having them have a resource like Valens that they can call and say, hey, my doctor said I might need this procedure done or I might need this extra test done, we want to make sure that that participant goes to the right place at the right time and gets the best quality for whatever procedure or information we're trying to gain from this next step in the process. So Chris, just so I understand how your two um, platforms work together, well, your community health plan put together a narrow network within the region that the employer is in, or do they engage Valens to do that for them, or is that an additional service that is pulled in to work together? Well, it's really worked together. So your, your community health plan, we are using what I'll call direct private payments. Some people might refer to it as reference-based pricing, but we are not creating narrow networks. We are utilizing Rob and his team at Valens. If there is a narrow network that we can benefit from in an area, yes, we will use them. But at the end of the day, we want our people not to be bound by anything that might be an artificial barrier and what we call a traditional network. So Rob, why don't, do you mind telling us why you've stepped out on a limb? I mean, Chris, is, yeah, this is, you're a trailblazer in this space as well, Chris. So Rob, what has attracted you to what First of all, Chris thanks is for doing? Having us. Um, and Chris, thanks for inviting us. And, and I know that I speak for Adam when I say we're, we're honored and flattered to be a part of the conversation with you because it's an important topic. I think what attracted us to Chris is there as, Healthcare is, is kind of like a river right now. It just keeps flowing and it's evolving. And if you go to the bank of a river at one o'clock in the afternoon, it looks one way and you see it at two o'clock and it's completely different. It's changed. And that's kind of what's happening in our healthcare environment today. So as we've been building an ecosystem since I joined and took over our organization, we've been putting in the pieces of what has to work together to make Fundamentally, our customer, who is really the self-insured employer and their member, that's we always have to remember who our end game customer is. It doesn't matter if we work through a TP or a stop loss carrier, whoever the stakeholder is. That's really what we're looking at. There is an opportunity to incorporate his model into our ecosystem design and plug it in where it makes sense. And so while we're building high performance narrow networks, while we're engaging concierge medical and building out and understanding what quality providers look like and communicating and educating the consumer or the member about that. There's a piece of direct primary care that really is emerging as critically important, more efficient, more cost-effective, more improving outcomes at the front end. And that's really what attracted us to Chris and what he's kind of championing in this space. I think that's great. I mean, fundamentally, when you look at building a house, you start with a foundation. And when you start with a health plan, the foundation of that health plan is the plan document. So you need to make sure that you are very intentional about how you put your plan document in place and that everything else around the plan 
understands how you structured the plan document, right? And I think that no one can speak any better to this than Adam Russo. Um, <laughs> Here we go. Let, let the games begin. Go ahead. We've had some issues with some clients really having a hard time getting data. And we all know that, um, you know, the providers want to hold on to it as close as possible, especially the PBMs. So as you are building these plan documents and looking for transparency, do you have any tips or pointers to our listeners who are, are brokers and employers and other vendors even, how to get access to that data? You know, what is really needed as you're building that foundation? So first, I just want to say thank you for having me today. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, again, I'm Adam Russo, co-founder and CEO of the B Group. So getting to your question first, the first thing I would advise every employer, every broker, every CFO, every CEO is actually read your contracts. Nobody reads them. So you hear all these stories of people complaining that they don't have access to data or they can't get this, they can't get that. Well, they signed off on that in many situations. So what I tell people is work with partners, work with vendors, work with administrators that actually give you access to your claims data and they exist. So for every organization, every carrier that won't give you data, there's another administrator that will give you all the raw data that you want based on your own plan. And here's what I tell people about designing a plan document. You cannot design a plan document that's gonna meet the needs of your own population at your own organization, unless you actually know what the risks are. And the only way you actually know what your risks are from a healthcare standpoint, from a uh, cost standpoint, is by having access to that claims data. So you get access to that claims data, identify what the actual risks are, where your people are going, where aren't they going, what type of needs do they have, what type of specialists do they go to, what are the PBM issues, what are the pharmacy issues, all that stuff, and then you design a health plan to meet those needs. How do you design that plan? What we believe is you actually empower the employees and the family members to actually care about the cost of healthcare. That is the fundamental problem that we have in this country. And I'm gonna give you a very simple example. People believe, all of you, everyone listening, that when you go see you know, a specialist at a hospital, what is the actual bill? An employee believes the bill is their copay, they're out of pocket, they're deductible. What does the employer think? The employer looks at it almost the same way. What is their out of pocket up to the stop loss specific deductible? Right? Up to the stop loss spec, they're looking at it as well. It's a $200,000 bill, but I'm only on the hook for the first 50,000. So if you really look at it, the only entity in this whole ecosystem that actually cares currently about the entire bill is a stop loss carrier or a reinsurer. And the funny part is they're not looked upon as health insurance. Okay. They're not health insurers. So that's the key issue. You brought up a question earlier about the why. And our, you know, at my company, when we started this company back in 2000, it was really simple. And it's been simple ever since. Healthcare is too expensive. Prices go up all the time. And what we're seeing is employers are forced to offset all those costs onto their employees and their dependents. How do they do that? Higher co-pays, higher deductibles. We see that year after year. As we build these plan documents, that's all we see. Consistently, 
We don't see people trying to innovate. We don't see people trying to empower their plans. All we see is, all right, we'll make deductible higher. We'll make the co-pays higher. So what we have as a purpose for our organization is to make health benefits affordable for all the employers, for the employees and their family members. Why? Because every single person deserves access to not only low cost, but high quality care as well. And the only way you can do that, having the data, analyzing that data, and then designing a plan that meets the needs of that population. Because what I can't believe is right now you'll have a carrier, let's say in Oregon. The plan design for a 10,000 person teachers union is the exact plan design for a 500 life truckers union or a 300 life yoga instructor plan. They have different needs. They have different risks. Yet every plan design is exactly the same. Yeah, I, and that is. I, I'd like to do. comment on something because Adam went back to the to the why and and the funny story is we actually went through an exercise organizationally last year using Simon Sinek as the backbone of what is your why. And so we went through an exercise organization of the why, what, how, and get into that golden circle and and really think things through. And our why is actually in every presentation we do. It's very very simple. We exist to live our brand promise to engage early and often using data as a source of that to drive smarter, better, faster healthcare decisions. And we live the translation of our of our brand, which is to be strong, vigorous, and healthy as a company, as a partner, and collaborate to drive membership. It's very, very simple. And so that's our why. That's our purpose. It's the why we exist. It's why 94.5% of our uh, employees wake up every morning because we just did an engagement survey and they say they totally understand what their role is in response to what we're trying to accomplish as a business. And that's what we're rolling forward with. Data is critical. Data is the fuel that drives all this. And one last point, and I'll let Adam go, because if you know anything about Adam and I presenting, we will play off each other now back and forth. Transparency has to be defined because transparency is more than just what. It's why is it important and how do you use it? And if you don't get those second and third dimensions into the transparency discussion with members or anybody that's looking at a quality metric and saying, well, this provider had 85 episodes of a similar service and they scored 97.5. If you don't understand what that means, why it's important, how to use it, transparency by itself is just a data point. And so that's a key thing that we try to make sure we do and what we build with partners like Chris and partners like Adam say, let's all make sure that whoever's looking at this has context around what it is they're looking at and why it's important for them to evaluate and use it wisely. So, you know, I know we're talking about transparency, but I really think that that's just one step. I mean, even if you have all the data out there, here's the problem, okay? And we see it on a daily basis. Most CFOs still believe that healthcare expenses are not part of their realm. It's like, all right, the broker's handling that, right? That's not something that I can control. That's not something I can change fundamentally. It is what it is. Right. It is what it is. And that's why- They have this mentality. It is what it is, it's just gonna be- Right, and that's why when you look at my company, it's all about empowering plans, is getting those CFOs to look at their healthcare dollar spend, no different than all the other stuff on their expense side, right? On the P&L. And here's what we say all the time. Let's say you have a, a, an employee making $50,000 a year. Think about what an employee has to, you guys know, what an employee has to go through to get a raise. Peer review, self-assessment, biannual reviews, training, blah, blah, blah. All these things 
and then maybe they'll get a 5% raise. Yet with healthcare spend, that same employee can go see a specialist for a knee replacement surgery and then spend 100,000 when they could have spent 20,000 at a higher quality provider. Nothing is being done by employers to actually get their employees to care about the cost of care. They care so much about wages, all this other stuff, but when it comes to healthcare, it's out of our control. And that's fundamentally what's wrong with our healthcare system. We need the C-suite to realize they can do something about it. Well, I think that's a key point. You know, you made about plan design, right? And your company, Adam, I know that you, if they go through the chosen path, right, all the cost share has been eliminated, right? Companies paying it 100%. And that was fundamentally one of the things we did. We said, okay, we don't like high deductible plans because there's so many wrong things that happen when everybody gets stuck in high deductible plans. People avoid care. People don't go and do anything that they should be doing right normally. So that's why we have primary care, no cost share to the member. You go, you go to your primary care doctor, plans paying 100%. You go to your community pharmacy for one of 350 or so generic meds that we've got on our preventive formulary, there's no cost to the member, right? <clears throat> That's great access versus where they might have been in a high deductible plan today. And then as we get into the procedural driven stuff, we've done the same thing. We have eliminated cost share if they go through and choose one of the providers or a few of the providers that that Rob and his group have laid out that are high quality, low cost, deductible wave, no cost share to participant. So these are things that we can do because we started with a clean sheet of paper. We didn't have any legacy bad contracts that we were involved in before we started down this road. And that's, I think, where a lot of much larger employers are today. Um, they've got the CFO that's, it is what it is. I don't have any control to spend. They've got legacy partners with a broker or a PBM that they really can't get out of and, you know, too much, too much disruption for my employees. So I think that's, you know, good for us that we can start with that blank sheet of paper and get to a place that any employer today of any size should be doing these exact same things. But, you know, you have a CFO first. You have to have to get by you. But here's the problem. It's human resources too, right? Because all this stuff that we're talking about, it's not easy. It takes work. So you have an HR department that says, well, I'm just picking one, right? Well, we have Blue Cross. You know, we don't want to disrupt anything. You know, there's a lot of training involved, a lot of education involved. It's more work for people to make all these things successful. To lower the cost, let me just share a simple story. You mentioned deductibles, right? We represent 15 million lives nationwide. We write plan documents for about 5 million lives. And we get to schedule the benefits. And we see year over year what happens. So all we're seeing is less benefits, more higher deductibles, higher out-of-pockets consistently. So, and then when it comes to deductibles, people aren't even educated as to when they should use that deductible and when they shouldn't. For example, urgent care. Many times, you're better off paying cash walking into an urgent care than showing your ID card and then paying the deductible price for your network. People don't realize that. So the lack of education, the lack of transparency, the lack of actually knowing, forget about the hospital, because every hospital has a great surgeon and a bad surgeon. We wanna go down to the actual 
specialist level, understanding the quality metrics of every specialist within a facility and their costs. I mean, that's why we've been able to, at our organization, I think there's like 10 other companies in the country, healthcare is free. There is no cost to the employee or their family members. Was it easy to do? No, it took five years. But changing the behavior of the employee population to get them incentivized to care about the cost of care. It's a great way then to recruit new employees, retain employees, when they see that the employer has buy-in for their actual care, their well-being, the well-being of their families, it changes that mindset versus an organization that says, oh yeah, you know, Joe in accounting, his kid needs a specific drug. Do you guys understand the number one most requested inquiry to my company from brokers isn't how to lower the cost, isn't are there alternatives? The number one question we get is, this is expensive, how does the plan not cover it? Think about that. They're asking us how not to cover something that can make a family member or an employee healthier. It's sad, yeah. but that's what we've come to as an industry, and that's what we're trying to change, and that's what we've been successful in changing over the past 20 years. And, and I would say you've probably never met an employee who wouldn't prefer to have more, more make more money and spend less on healthcare. It's just a lot of it centers around quality education, healthcare education. I do believe in mandatory workshops. People don't do it. I mean, you have these annual enrollments. Here's your network. Here's how you sign up. Mandatory workshops talking about all the different cost containment metrics, all the different measures, things they can do to make their healthcare spend lower. Mandatory, no different than when you have HIPAA training at a company or any type of training that you might do. These are mandatory things that we're doing that we just don't see at employers. I think it's Sally, excuse me. I think that goes to, again, the, the absolute split in ERISA covering retirement plans, right? Which under 404C says, you have to do participant education. You have to deliver them the tools and everything to make sure that they can manage their own risk tolerances, that they become self-aware of what they're investing in, that the investments are broad enough in spectrum that they can be diversified, right? All that's required by ERISA. None of it makes it over into the healthcare world. And it's the same law. Be sure to listen to part two of this episode, Transparency Has to be Defined, as Lee and Sally continue their conversations with Chris, Adam, and Rob. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Granite List Live. Access our entire library by visiting your favorite podcast venue or subscribe on our site, thegranitelist.live. Thank you.